You're saying the world does not need another hero? <laughs> we don't need another hero. No, the, there's one of me. That's enough. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe I just sang that. <laughs> and Bill wasn't here. Back to the bin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. Remember when we used to give episode numbers? We don't do that no more. Anyway, I'm Paul Spataro. I am here with Dr. William Robinson. Hello. And we are joined today by our semi-regular fill-in co-host, Mr. Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. Thank you. Thank you. America's favorite co-host here. Are you boys Surprise co-host. I'm well. I'm uh I'm feeling good. I knew that you would now. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I feel pretty right myself. So it's all good. All is right with the world. And there was much rejoicing. Yay. Yay. Can always count on that from you. So guys. we we have an un, un uh, unintentional theme episode. Of freebie comics. It's free was, for me. I, well, sometimes I don't know about you get what you that. pay for. Oh, yeah. So we have. I have a free book, and Chris, you got a free book, right? Yeah, I didn't even realize it was. This is just a kismet. dark book. A what? A, yeah. A what book? A dark book. It is very dark. It's surprisingly dark. I thought it was going to be a feel-good story, and yeah, no. Well, it kind of is. Uh, no. Unless you're a dog. Or a cat. Or a cat. Or a squirrel. Or a squirrel. <laughs> I like squirrels. Uh, you know who likes gerbils, though? No, I don't. Richard Gere? Yeah. Is that because those gerbils have rumor. nowhere place to go? <laughs> he, he puts no, them where they have nowhere else to go. To go. Oh, you're screwing up with the drops going in, Bill. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. I was trying to eat my dinner. Sorry. I'm trying to be covert and eat my stuff quietly. That didn't sound. You good. would not be bad. covert if you tried. Yeah, it's not. It's not one of your special skills, there, Bill. Maybe if you're in the redwood forest. Hey, uh, never mind. I'll just say it, Bill. Say it. Say it. What am I supposed to say? I don't know. That I'm awesome. No. Damn it. How how long has it been since the last diet Mountain Dew? I don't know, a couple hours ago. Uh, you're all talking about going to the gym. You can't ruin it with Diet Mountain Dew. What are you talking about? I, nah, it's no calories. Just <laughs> it's still it's still not good for you. Hey, I'm exercising. All right, I'm taking steps. Wait, now yeah, I'm, my, my, I'm steps. Michael Bean from uh, from the Abyss. Got to take steps. <laughs> Didn't like that movie. <laughs> really? Love really? That movie. Did not like it. Has anybody else seen any Russian water tentacle around here? It's a little preachy. It's a little Jim Cameron-y, but overall I enjoy it. You're talking The Abyss still? Yes. Yes, The Abyss. Yeah, Director's Cut's awesome. Well, I t- I, Super I mean, heavy-handed, but I still like it. Oh, yeah, more heavy Obviously, Jim Cameron's done a number of movies that I liked a lot. But uh, The Abyss, not really one of them. Even, even uh, whatchamacallit, Avatar... Once you got over how overrated it was, it was fairly entertaining to watch. I find that movie entertaining as well. Again, super heavy-handed, <clears throat> James Cameron. But um, it, you, you mean with, with clever names like unobtainium? That's actually <laughs> a scientific term, though. Unobtainium is used for any anything that is literally unobtainable. 
yeah. for any unobtainable atom. So or... just, why didn't they just call it the MacGuffin? I was but taken. I can't find it, Jen, or something like that. <coughs> but obviously, you got uh, sodium. I don't know where your, it is. Your chloride. First two Terminator movies with Jim Cameron. Terminator. You got Aliens. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you have True Li- True Lies. Oh yeah. Those, I think that would be my favorite. I love True. The Jim Cameron Library. Not Piranha <laughs> Two, the spawning. I got a little dick. <laughs> it's pathetic. I know. Oh god. <laughs> that's, that's now that's recorded. I'll, 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 yeah, I know that, that that well that'll be at the end of another show. Hooray! <laughs> Paul's got another sound clip. <laughs> it's gonna be the, the next tag for the next real life with Doctor Bill at the St. Pete house. <laughs> hey, that's why he's working out, you know. Oh, <laughs> did somebody make fun of you there, Bill? <laughs> oh, that's not funny. Yeah, I go to the St. Pete house. Nobody even looks at me. <laughs> I actually think both of you would get looked at quite a bit at the St. Pete house. I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> oh, it's that amongst that circle, it is. It's oh, I still, think they'd look at you, Paul. Still doesn't sound all that complimentary to me. Paul would walk in and they'd play the music from Police Academy for the, the Blue Oyster Bar. That's funny because when Bill walks in, they play Goodbye Horses. I can't quit you, hero. Yeah, I can't quit you either, Bill. I wish I knew how to. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna cover a book? <laughs> no, we're just gonna we're just gonna have a homoerotic movie clip. Because it's really show. just uh, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm gonna call the the Demanzo human resources soon. Tell them I'm feeling uncomfortable. <clears throat> That's the idea. This from the man with the pig boy picture. Pig boy. Pig Boy has loved the world over. <laughs> no, boy. he's not. Should... But he I looks think we delicious. should barbecue Pig Boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get Rifen over here, he'd be putting a little rub all over him. Oh, yeah, rub it down. Rifen in his rub. Ugh. Rifen's rub. They, look, there's a Demonsequo marketing idea right there. <laughs> the Rifen rub? We have Rifen, Rifen, Rifen rub, rub, and we need some sort of Mountain Dew-based barbecue sauce based with Bill's likeness on it. So, you know, it's funny. I was listening to the Fantastic Cast the other day, and I just had an idea for a thing. They, they now have, like, uh, a Patreon page for people to donate. Yep. And people who donate, I think it's $5 a month, get exclusive content. So I'm thinking people who yep. donate $5 a month to us and pay all travel expenses, and I will send Dr. Bill over to personally greet you. <laughs> what do you think? Nice. I don't know. It'll get kind of hard to schedule that around work. <laughs> Dr. Bill, I'm sending you to Arizona. What? Dr. Bill, I'm sending you to Australia. You can every week. You have to go somewhere else. If you're in Arizona, you can hang out with Atterbury. Yeah, there we go. And if you're in Australia, you can hang out with Mel Gibson. Right. I'm or, real good uh, at George. Bennett. <laughs> That's true. With who? Bennett. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Vernon Wells, our buddy. Yeah. Then it's Boogaloo. <laughs> Let's kickstart that. I'm just happy to be here. As am I. Me too. That's we good. good. We're happy. So I guess I'll get, I'm going to jump right into the first one now because I have the older book. Evil Carnival. I was left here by the old ones. <laughs> Ted Cassidy's not in this. <laughs> no, he was. No, he is not. But I, I brought the free giveaway comic presented by Marvel Comics and Ideal Toys, which is cover dated 1974, and it is Evil Knievel. The cover is credited to John Romita Sr. And inked by Joe Sinnott. But the interior story, apparently nobody took credit for. So I don't know <laughs> I don't know who why. wrote it. I don't know who drew it. Mm. Looks to me like it could be like maybe Al Milgram, but I don't know. Mm. Cover shows evil on his bike launching off of a ramp over flames and giving the V for victory. The story is titled The Perilous Traps of Mr. Danger. 
He is called the King of Stuntmen, with good reason. Watch him as he rehearses an exciting new stunt on his amazing stunt cycle. Just like the replica you can buy where you got this comic adventure. And so he practices in an empty stadium. Empty except for young Dan Bradley, who is cheering as his hero, Evil, jumps the cycle over his scramble van into a somersault and landing onto a ramp between flame jets when, unexpectedly, the bike goes into a skid. But being the greatest daredevil ace of all time, he shifts his weight and regains control. Looking closely, he sees that someone spread a layer of special siliconized rubber into the groove and caused the skid. Dan's dad, Ray, then approaches with a telegram for Evil saying, Your time has come. Telegram. Signed, telegram from Mr. Evil. Telegram. <laughs> signed, Mr. Danger. Evil then exposits about his friendship with Ray, and they decide to talk while having refreshments in Evil, Evil's scramble van. The scramble van. Just as this fabulous rolling workshop office lounge is indispensable to Evil Knievel, so is a vital addition to the action accessories for your Evil Knievel movable figure. Available now. As they sit drinking uh, coffee, Ray talks about construction sabotage as the stunt stadium was being built. Ray suggests that Mr. Danger is a local racketeer named Bernie Hutton, and that he and when did Bernie it, Hutton talks, people yeah, listen. People listen. <laughs> that he he sabotaged the uh, park in order, or the the construction in order to turn the park into an industrial park, rather than have land allocated to the Everglades in an effort to safeguard our ecology. Bullshit. Mm, ecology. Evil offers Dan a demonstration of his grand finale using his fabulous Canyon Sky Cycle, which is available in a detailed working model that you can get for your Evil Knievel action figure and create your own Canyon Jump. Ooh. You think e Evil Knievel calls his penis his Sky Cycle? Or he did? <laughs> Never mind. I think he called it Snake River. <laughs> <laughs> As Evil takes off, a man is suddenly in front of him, and to avoid him, Evil must go off course sailing gracefully through some rings and headed towards the marked landing spot just the same. But as he does, he sees a package, so to speak, that he believes was put there by Mr. Danger. He changes course again into the swamp as the package explodes. As the cycle sinks into the swamp, it's surrounded by approaching alligators, but Evil fires the rockets again, propelling himself to safety. At this, Evil is given another note saying, your next stunt will be your last. As a shadowy figure laughs and declares himself to be Mr. Danger. He looks Although... like Mr. Flasher. <laughs> <laughs> Although Evil tries to chase him, he hops into a car and takes off. Evil decides that it's best to post postpone the show until Mr. Jane Danger is captured. And that night he finds two men in his garage sabotaging his something or other. And they take off in a car, but this time Evil is ready and hops into his stunt and crash car, also available for your playing needs, and gives a chase, catching them, but then a crane drives right in front of him, and it looks like Evil is finished, but he corners onto two wheels and around the crane, being driven by Mr. Danger. Mr. Danger swings the crane, causing Evil to drive directly into a wall, but the car was rigged to fly apart and absorb the shock, leaving him unharmed. Ha ha. Yeah, really. He hops onto a cycle and heads straight towards the thugs, but grabs a skyhook, sending the unmanned cycle right towards them, causing them to jump into the swamp. Mr. Danger attempts a getaway, but evils, but ex-Hollywood stuntman Ray Bradley jumps into his speeding convertible and fights for the wheel causing the car to head straight for the alligator swamp. Evil gives chase to save Ray and jumps on his cycle over the car, grabbing Ray as he does and leaving Mr. Danger hurtling into the swamp. In the swamp, Mr. Danger cries out for help from an approaching alligator and Evil uses a rope to pull him to safety. Turns out that Mr. Danger is really Bernie Hutton. No big surprise there since he was the only suspect. Mm. And... He would have gotten away with it if not for that meddling evil. One week later, yeah. evil performs his stunt show for the adoring crowd. End of issue. So now, 
I got this back in 1974. You old. Yeah. Well, I was a young kid. I remember uh, I had two aunts who who owned a house together. Their two families owned a house like up in, in like a resort area in New Jersey, you know, like a, a, a lake and everything. And we used to go stay there sometimes. And my cousin and I stayed there for a few days. And there was a local candy shop there and we you know when we went there they had a stack of the free evil Knievel comics and unlike is advertised there you couldn't buy the actual evil Knievel stunt cycle there lies but but i did i did leave that weekend with about 15 copies of this free comic (laughs) (laughs) nice eventually i sent one in to marvel comics and and asked them to pass it around the bullpen and see about getting people to sign it and i have it signed by like uh stan lee Jim Salakrup, John Verporten, Dan Crespi, John Warner, Roger Sliffer, Jim Shooter, Roger Stern, Bonnie Wilfred, John Romita, Al Milgram, and Steve Gerber. Oh, man. So they passed it around the bullpen, had them all sign it, and sent it back to me. Nice. Never get away with doing something like that now. No. Well, no. no. Yeah, you're right. No. But that's There's fine. no bullpens anymore, man. Everybody's spread out. Yeah, they, I, they're all working yeah. from home, pretty much. Living I got this comic last year in <laughs> a uh, by uh, Phila short box for twenty five bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it was in the dollar bins. I'm like, ooh, sweet score. Did you make the case that it said free on the cover, so it should be free? <laughs> no, no. I just stuffed it in there, and it was like, yeah, yeah. Stuffing it in there. That's what Bill's yeah. all about. But I had the stunt cycle when I was a kid. I did, did not. Guys... Oh. I had the stunt cycle because, yeah, yeah, you put it up on that, that thing. You know, then you let it go. But that's all I had. I didn't have the ramps. I didn't have all the cra- other crazy stuff. Crazy? Stunt... What do you mean crazy? The the stadium and the, the scramble van and the crash car and the, the Canyon Sky Cycle. I didn't have any of that. I just had to make my own little ramps and jump evil over stuff. Yeah. You didn't have a I had a blast. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't born yet, so uh, <laughs> no evil can evil stunt cycle for me. But you know what was even more deadly than the evil can evil stunt cycle? What? <laughs> the bike? No. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> those those other like cars you could buy and bikes you could buy where you would stick that piece of plastic with a with a, <laughs> like like a little handle in and it would slide in and would like yep. and, and it had notches in the plastic and it would click in yep. and then you would pull that thing out and it would go zing yep. and you'd set the car down or whatever and it would take off man you could put you could whip yourself in the face with that if you weren't careful <laughs> I can't what believe. the hell are you doing with your toys bill most people hey, man when i was a kid we had with that bill when I was a kid, we had lawn darts, too. That's all I got to say. I remember lawn, lawn darts. darts. There's nothing lawn wrong darts. with them. No, man. You throw them way up in the air and you run. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the way they're meant to be played with. It's the way yes. we played with them. And we liked it. Oh, yeah. mm. And we lived. I lived to tell the tale. <laughs> Toys that could kill. Lead paint everywhere. No seat belts in cars. I drank out of a garden hose. There's nothing wrong with that either. Jeez, my, my kid won't even use a garden hose. Oh, I'm not going to drink out of that. You're thirsty, aren't you? It's wet, ain't it? Drink it. Scott Gardner drinks out of public water fountains. In, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have the photographic proof. Well, Mr. Danger. What well, You know, that guy's out of his flipping mind yeah, stepping in front of a moving motorcycle. Let's, let's look at this a little bit more carefully now. Start off with the fact that, uh, you, like you said, there's the, the first page is Evil Knievel's Bicycle Safety. Strange, <laughs> strangely enough, one of the things he doesn't say is wear a helmet <laughs> or yeah. pads of any sort. Well, they didn't have those back then. That wasn't That wasn't in the thinking. You know, it just wasn't there. <laughs> I have to call into question one of the notes here. It says, always ride one on a bicycle at a time. What if it's a tandem bike? Well, then yeah. it is a bicycle built for two. <sighs> but I'm bumped. I'm just saying. Yeah, you could easily get somebody standing on the back behind you or sitting you put on the pegs the on the back wheel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, so, I'm with you there. 
Instead of a helmet, you wear a bucket hat. That seems to be acceptable here. Yes. It's That's a rain hat. And then you go out driving in uh, where there's apparently multicolored stars. This kid has a, a car coming right at him, and he's just smiling like, oh, hey. <laughs> he's in but, a crosswalk. Okay, and when was the last That's time you saw light. a bicyclist those, those using hand signals? Those are street lights. That's a red light. He's crossing I, out a crosswalk. So, what, so I, the green light is on top, the red is in the middle, and the yellow is on the bottom? Um, maybe at, he's a different uh, country. Um, That's a very yeah. good likeness of evil on the top page, and about the only good likeness of evil in this That's entire true. book. Yeah, the cover the cover face is pretty good too. The cover face, though, mm. his head really doesn't look like it's attached to his body. No, doesn't matter. <laughs> Still That's a John Romita. So I don't, I'm not sure the face is a John Romita. Or at least it's credited to John Romita. Yeah. It's got that Romita mouth. It could be a Romita face. But enough about Evil Knievel's face. That kid, Dan Bradley, man, he's a scary-looking kid when he gets excited. Yeah, doesn't he look like... He looks like one of the kids from um, the Village of the Damned. Either that or he, he looks like the dummy from the uh, Anthony Hopkins movie Magic, whatever, where Magic. he had the dummy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oof. Uh, yeah. How, did, it, how it, does it, Mr. Danger manage to stay in the shadows at all times? How does he manage oh. to stay? What is he wearing? All black? Like all just black. all black clothing? Black hat? Black sh- I mean, he, he doesn't even have contours. He just I, looks like an outline. I can I can no prize that. It's a Marvel book. They're unstable molecules. There you go. Uh, and, okay. and I'm I'm not so sure I accept the uh, the explanation that the car was rigged to fly apart so that evil could drive it into a brick wall and not get hurt. Um, that's what some yeah. people do. Yeah. Okay. It's rigged to fly apart on impact, absorbing the shock, leaving me unharmed. Well, then why wouldn't we make all cars like that? Evil. Uh, Ray jumps into the chartreuse convertible. No, no, that's a pink Cadillac. Yeah, is that what that is? Probably. <laughs> I don't I see that... Clint Eastwood in it though. But un- until they uh, until they take the mask off of him, he's constantly in the shadow. And he looks like a pervert. Even when he's in the water, he's in the shadow. It's like, hey, little boy. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then, then, then on the last page, with the uh, we again have the creepy, the creepy kid, yeah. Dan Bradley, got the same creepy look he had on the first page, yeah, even worse so, yeah, so. yep. He also looks like about five years older. <laughs> the the ad is not consistent here <laughs> at all, but it's a free book. Yeah, I gotta call bullshit on the physics of. So my front tire skid, so I'm just going to put all my weight on the back tire, and now I'm not going to skid because of the silkenized rubber. I, I, I thought it made sense. <laughs> hmm. Uh, I'm loving some of this dialogue, though. Ha, 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 ha. Fool, you can't catch danger. No, <laughs> you literally cannot catch danger. <laughs> well, he was right. Danger catches you. Oh, yeah. Ha, 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 ha. And your little boy, too. <laughs> so many panels in this. So wrong. Well, it's, he says, look, that uh, strange man you missed tossed this at me as he ran off. And then he reads it, and they turn, and the guy standing there. It's like, <laughs> what did he do? He just step around a corner? Yep. And then the shot where he's... Uh, the shot where he's walking up the... Um, where he's running out of the stadium. Looks like I thought he was flying. But then I was like, oh, okay, I guess they're showing him going up steps. I guess. <laughs> he does, looks like he's just levitating over the thing. He does. He does. There's no depth at all. Like, what is he stands. doing? How is he flying? That's why you can't catch danger because he can fly. <laughs> I think alligators are uh, nastily, you know, they're portrayed badly in, in this book. I don't, don't think they would they, all. They don't show them biting at all. No, but they're but they're very threatening. <laughs> Do, if they... you're in their water, 
they're going to be threatening. I don't know. I think water. if you splash down with this big metal thing, I think they're all going to take off and run. They're not going to like, hey, let's go see what that is. Oh, that looks like I could eat it. You know, no, I don't think so. I don't know. They like... went after James Bond and live in time. Oh, yeah. Then he ran across the top of him. Yeah. Do, do, oh, do, 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 do. So this is, let's see. All right. Yeah, this is what I thought was weird is that, all right. Evil's talking to Ray, and he says, I haven't thanked you for accepting the Florida franchise of my stunt stadium. So what? <laughs> There's evil Knievel stunt stadiums all over the country? Wasn't he? According to this. Yeah. I was like, wow. But they're all, you know, toys that you can play well, with. Well, yeah. Yeah, but I was just like, wow. Hey, man, I would like some lucrative franchising rights. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, but I would hope like they have other maybe maybe they have like other smaller local shows that do no, stunts. No, while it's Evil's the not Evil there. Evil Knievel Stadium. Well, That's he's got to tour all of us. I'm saying he's got to tour all that. Like if he's got one in each state, or maybe you know, like in a you know the southeast maybe or something, or you know, north. You can't take a stadium with you. I understand that, but well, if you look, if you were that big, you'd be able to fill it every night. But they didn't want to draw that, so they drew it empty. Well, they drew it with people at, at the end of it, because he was practicing. That's why it was empty. Yeah, practice, well. practice, practice. Practice makes perfect. Especially for Evil Knievel. <laughs> who's, who's reputed as having broken every bone in his body. And I think he broke a couple more after he flew over the, uh, the convertible, pulled his buddy out, and then landed on his leg. Um, no, see, the, um, technology in the crash car was also in his pants. <laughs> they were, they were ablative stunt pants. So the, what you're saying is as soon as he hit the ground, his shoes and pants blew off his body. And there's another pair underneath exactly like it. Yep. Exactly like the space shuttle. The ceramic. Ceramic pants. It's the wave of the future in the seventies. Plastics, my friend. Plastics. Uh, I like some of the sound effects in here too. Shroom! Like I could hear that one in my head. Zrum. Z z r r u u m m. Zrum. That's how you pronounce rum when you're shit faced. Zrum. <laughs> or is the zraga? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, shroom. I want to get a shirt with that printed on it. Shwoom? Shwoom! <laughs> Ka-ba-waham! Ka-ba-waham? Ka-ba-waham. Ka-ba-waham. That's what Mola Ram said before he pulled the guy's heart out, right? Mola Ram. Ka-ba-waham. Ha-ba-ham. Hum-hum. <laughs> Soon evil Knievel shall rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> and for a time, he did. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said before, I you know, I had, I had the bike. I had the evil evil bicycle with all the plastic to make it look like it had a, a gas tank and the fenders and and yeah, I wrecked just it... like my hero. At the time, <laughs> I liked the evil Knievel movie with George Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I remember that. You know why e- evil Knievel was cool? He wore a cape and he had a cane. Like he, he needed the cane. Yeah, he needed the cane. <laughs> One, I think he'd probably beat the shit out of people with it, too. <laughs> Get away, groupies. I'm evil Knievel, bitch. Whack. That's true. Like, honestly, if anybody was walking around with that outfit now, you'd be like, that guy, he's a pimp. <laughs> he's got a half cape. He's got shiny. He's got a, yeah, he's got in in professional cape. wrestling, maybe you can get away with that. Not now. Nobody wants to see that now. They don't want it to be all normal people now. Oh, stop it, normal. What really makes it, though, is the white shoes. You have to be a legitimate pimp to wear white shoes. And a big V across your chest with stars on it, and stars down your pant leg, and a big EK for your on your belt. Oh, yeah. Hey, if it's good enough for Galactus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> you have uh, PS yes. on your belt, right, Paul Star? Oh, is that what that would stand for? <laughs> or just S for Spataro. We would just go by your, your last name. Just a giant S. 
Destroyer of Destroyer of Barbecue. A lot of people think I'm a giant ass. <laughs> uh, tell me your middle initial is I. No, no. no. <laughs> oh, damn it. Sorry, T. Ah. It's post-traumatic stress. Yes. Oh, jeez. There we go. That's me. I'm I'm a I'm I'm commonly known as a carrier. Post-traumatic spataro. <laughs> a carrier. A pigeon. Right, you want to? Uh, you have anything more on this? I, what else can you say about it? I think we covered all the high points. I think. I mean, I think it serves its purpose. It. it yes. It, yeah. It, I want the is, toys. It is a an advertisement in the form of a book. And it's not. I mean, it's not earth-shattering groundbreaking but it's not boring no it's not boring it's it's it entertaining and fun for what it's doing which you know in some as well i mean i'd say now more days than back in the 60s and 70s comics were now more are are advertising more of an advertisement for other products and toys and everything else but you know early days of marvel they really you know, they were just, I don't know. I'm, again, I'm trying to get a coherent thought. And I'm no, failing. You're failing! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it made me want to buy the toys, man. I, right. They all look awesome. I never had the toys. And I guess when this came out, I would have been. You might have been a little too old for the toys. I would have been about 11. So I probably should have been writing the prime age for it. Oh, yeah. But I never had them. So I, d- I did have the earlier uh, G.I. Joe iterations. You know, when did he... The, whatever they were, 14-inch G.I. Joes? 12-inch. 12-inch. I uh, remember Evil Knievel, I think one of the first times I watched him was on, like, ABC Wide World of Sports. You know, doing the Snake River Canyon jump and some other jumps here and there. So I'm thinking it had been, one. like, 76, maybe? I think Snake River was 76, 77, around there. Yeah, because I... Because I remember I lived in Virginia and it was around the bicentennial and and that's when I had the bicycle and then that's when I had the stunt cycle and everything. So I was um, seven-ish when I got into him. Oh, back to St. Pete again. Stop. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Can't help it. Hey, Bill, you want to see the stunt cycle? (laughs) Woo-woo. No. Crash into a wall. Everything comes apart. We have siliconized rubber. Hey, you keep I it up. I apologize to anyone offended by this. I'll break I'm out trying my... to get in another demographic. I'll break out my Apollo Smile 3 synopsis if you don't quit it that I wrote. All right, I'm going to rate this thing now. Okay. That's <laughs> what I thought. I think the uh, the cover, as far as John Romita Sr. goes, it's not one of his stronger uh, efforts. But it kind of presents again you got to look at this with the perspective he looks that more it's like an, an astronaut and i think it's something that a kid who would be interested in the evil knievel stunt cycle would see this and and would scoff it right up in fact i did and i didn't even have the evil knievel stunt cycle so i'm going to say uh i'm going to say a b on the cover the interior art not as good as the cover again not credited to anyone uh, my guess is Al Milgram, but I can't even uh, say that with any authority. Uh, I would say the cover, the interior art is just kind of very run-of-the-mill standard. Not good, not bad. C. Just average. And story-wise, I think for an advertising book, they managed to show all the different things that you could buy. They managed to put them into a story in a cohesive way. I think it was done fairly well, so I'm going to say a B on the uh, story, and overall I'll give the book a B minus. I, uh, I I like the cover; it's pretty colorful. Um, it sells you on what it is. It's Evil Knievel on his bike. You know what you're going to get. Um, the interior art, uh, I'm sorry. So the cover, it's still nothing. It's still nothing great. Um, so I'd still I I'll probably go C on the cover. Interior art. Oh, good lord. Um, I I can't give it a C. I got to give it a D. It's it's not good. Um, and I realize it's not supposed to be something that you're paying full price for that you're expecting to fly off the shelves and make a lot of money. It's promotional. 
Uh, that being said, I still the interior art is is a D. Um, it's not good. I mean, there's a giant flame vagina on one panel, so that tells you everything you need to know. Um, <laughs> and uh, story wise, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, the giant flaming vagina. Usually, that's a sign of a problem. Stay away. Um, <laughs> uh, but the um, the story is uh, the story actually isn't bad for what it is. Uh, I probably go B minus on the story. I kind of I kind of had fun with it, but uh, so overall, I guess that ends up being um, I'll be probably end up being a C. I would think. Yeah, mm-hmm. total overall C. I want the toys. A for wanting making me want the toys. Doctor, uh, yeah, the cover Evil Knievel looks like an astronaut. More than he does a motorcyclist with that funky-looking helmet. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a C for the cover. The interior art, it has a few moments. Like that first picture of Evil is good, but the rest of it kind of falls apart. So I'm going to give it a D for danger. And um, the the actual story, I'm, I'm right with you guys. It's for what it's doing and for what it's pimping. Including evil in his funky picture at the end. It's it's oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's it's a B. So well, you know it's it's a it's a C book. And that's evil Knievel. free at your local newsstand. Not anymore. Now you gotta 30, pay a dollar for it. Forty three. Or you <laughs> stuff a short box with as many as you can get. I think I paid like twenty five cents for it. In the more recent free giveaways. It's not even that recent. I said more recent. Yeah, it's two, it's like, 2000, that's 16 years. That's a long time. It's still it is a long 25, time. 26 years after this one. That's the lifespan of a dog. Just to make it more oh, well. well, let's talk Let's talk about that. <laughs> and um, Unless you're a dog in this story. Uh, oh, all right. Don't, don't, don't ruin the lead here. All, all right. right. All right. So, I... <laughs> <laughs> Alvin! <laughs> okay, so what I brought to the table is Superman for the Animals, number one, the promo comic from January 2000. It was free, and it was for the Doris Day Animal Foundation. The title of the story is Dear Superman. Your writer is a very young, I would presume, Mark Mala. Yes, that Mark Mala. Penciler was Tom Grummet. The anchor was Dick Giordano. The letterer was John Costanza. And the colorist was Glenn Whitmore. So let me try to get through this as Dear sanely. Superman. As, just just to interrupt, over, I, prefer, I prefer to call him Costanza. 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 Uh, <laughs> you don't think it was cold? Playing? I was swimming. We should I play, was in the pool. We should play uh, Dear Prudence underneath this. Dear Prudence, won't you save the pets today? Oh, man. All right. After that, you picked this. I did pick it. I don't know why I did, but I did. Probably because we're all animal um, people. Okay. Not like Island of Dr. Moreau animal people, just we like animals. The animal people. Not the like animal that. people. Yeah. Okay, so our issue opens up. <laughs> Thank you. Our issue opens up with some panels of uh, people from all walks of life in different situations writing letters to Superman. They're all looking for help, and they feel that only he can give it to them. Lois, we cut into Superman sitting on his chair, and Lois is talking to him. And, of course, he's at home, but he still has the super suit on, because why would you ever take it off if you were Superman? Uh, Lois asks Clark not to stay up too late reading the letters, but she mentions that's part of why she loves him. Superman then starts reading a letter from 12-year-old Tommy Delaney. And Tommy is writing to Superman regarding his experiences after moving to the town of Springdale. Basically, Tommy is your new, uncool, loser kid. And Tommy quickly befriends a camo-clad kid named Balzer. All right, we kind of know from the jump that Balzer's a bad egg. And for starters, he's kicking pigeons as uh, Tommy and the rest of the kids uh, and and Balzer's crew, Charlie, Donuts, and 8-Ball. They're walking along discussing who would win in a fight, Batman or Superman. 
And um, basically, it comes down to um, one kid thinks that Superman wins handily. I happen to agree. Uh, basically, Tom continues to recount to Superman, hanging out with the new friends that he has. But he keeps seeing some more uh, incredibly depraved behavior from uh, Balzer. And I can't believe I'm saying that name. Um, so Balzer's taking Tommy's pet fish out of a fishbowl and making him gasp for water. Uh, he's vandalizing private property, cheating on tests, playing hooky. And then the book goes from zero to f- as Balzer has his dad's rifle and suggests that they use it to get revenge on a dog that bit the kid named Donuts. Tommy goes along with this because he doesn't have any friends and he doesn't try to stop Balzer from having uh, the kid named Donuts shoot the dog. Donuts takes aim and drills the dog named Major in the leg. Major is now reduced by one limb. Tommy's dad sees the injured dog and knows exactly who's to blame, the parents of those sick little freaks. And Tommy looks dejected, but still not dejected enough to do anything. Um, It just so happens that Balzer goes on to uh, trapping a cat, and the boys follow him with the trapped cat onto an overpass on the highway. Balzer then gets ready to chuck the poor pussy over the rail, and that's when Tommy Tommy finally speaks up a little bit, but Balzer um, takes the cat and chucks him anyway. Thankfully, Superman saves the cat from his fate uh, because it's not streaky the super cat it's just a regular cat um superman saves the cat and uh balls of screams at superman you know bring back my cat you big boy scout and it turns out that superman was in springdale stopping a chemical factory fire at the plant where tommy's dad works and tommy thinks about how even superman can't save everyone because it looked like his dad hadn't made it but hey superman actually managed to save him too Tommy waxes poetic on how humble and good Superman is and how it's inspired him to take a stand, finally. The last straw comes when Balzer floods the school um, uh, classroom where their teacher has a pet squirrel that he rescued. And the poor squirrel is apparently dead too because the last time we see the squirrel, the squirrel's dead body is just in the cage. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah. Um, At this point, Tommy has finally had enough and he lays into Balzer. He just decks him right in the face. Balzer then starts ranting about how animals don't have any souls and um, all sorts of really, really ridiculousness. I mean, I'm an animal person too, but the writing in this is really bad. Uh, Eventually, he gets out a Louisville slugger and he's ready to brain anyone that disagrees with him. There's a scuffle and get this. There's a suitcase that bursts open, revealing a metric assload of animal collars pouring out of it. Serial killer. Yeah, this prick has been kidnapping and killing animals for quite a while. These kids are 12. Long story short, Balzer goes to a psychiatric care facility for intensive therapy. Tommy and the other boys start volunteering at an animal shelter, and they meet some new friends who happen to be girls. And Tommy finishes the letter by letting Superman know that he owes standing up for uh, good all to Superman, and that Superman deserves to get a letter that has a happy ending every once in a while, and the art shows the, the poor former airborne cat in Tommy's lap. And the issue ends with Superman casually waiting for Tommy as he walks home from school. And Tommy has his head down and Superman just says, well done, Tommy. I'm proud of you, son. And he flies off as Tommy just shakes his head and says, nah. What the f***? What the hell did I pick for us to read? Well, let's start at the end. This is How could somebody walk past Superman and not see him? I mean, he's really got to be in his own world. He's six foot two, has blue eyes, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, and tells the truth. There's no way you could miss him. <laughs> this, uh, this book is all kinds of disturbing. It's a yeah. Mark Millar book. But it, you know what? It, it's, I know it's meant to be disturbing, that it's meant to make you realize how horrible it is to be cruel to animals. But, you know, it's so ridiculously heavy-handed. First of all, it's difficult to read because of the level of the violence and cruelty. But don't you think it would be much more effective to show cruelty in the way that normal people might be? Not that normal people are cruel to animals, but... I know what you're saying. Thing, things that normal people might do or things that normal people might not realize are causing harm or things that people might not realize they could do to help 
stray animals or whatever. Like something like that, something a little bit more subtle and something that you could really apply to your everyday life. Not everybody knows a psychopath who's out there killing animals, thank God. I mean, that is how it starts, though, so I can't really fault them for that. I mean, usually that kind of behavior starts with, you know, pulling the wings off flies and stuff. So they got that aspect right. I don't think it has any place in this book. Help me. Help me. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was busy. Oh, what did you guys say? Nothing. Oh, we'll listening to you. Remember, remember when we switched Dr. Bill's body with that of a fly? <laughs> a bloat fly. <laughs> but, yes. You know, but it, it's... It's just so freaking over the top and heavy-handed, and it's disturbing. But again, it's not disturbing in a good way. It's not where you read it and you say, "Oh my god, I can stop things like this," because because yeah. this this is not normal behavior. Yeah, and what it, I mean, a twelve-year-old kid, if your friend is running around killing animals and has a gun, you're gonna be scared to say something. Like, I know it's about the kid trying to feel better about stuff. I'd be scared shitless too. You're not gonna mess with anybody that has a gun that's willing to go shoot an animal. Ah. <sighs> And it's and it's more maddening because the parts of the letter that Tommy writes about how Superman inspires people are on point. It's just in the wrong book. I thought I thought they were gonna say that um his dad died because Superman stopped to save the cat. Was where if I that thought had, it you know might. what? If that had went there, I uh no. <laughs> That's that, what I no. fully expected being a Mark Millar book. That was if he be... wrote it now, that's probably what would happen. <laughs> when did Mark Millar start hating superheroes? Because he clearly has an affinity for Superman here in terms of how he writes the Superman parts of it. Yeah, he, there was a point apparently where he decided, you know, he's too cool to write traditional superhero books. <sighs> I don't want this to turn into a rant about the state of. <laughs> I just uh, this what? book Sorry? is yeah. This book is just. It's way too heavy-handed. It's like a brick to the face. <laughs> I mean, as we record this, the episode that I just posted was the one, uh, just a, a shoot the shit episode, and and we talked about uh, the Red Hulk killing one of the super apes, and 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 I mentioned how I found even that disturbing. And I'm not, you know, one of these animal rights activists or anything. I'm just you know, a regular person who likes animals. Uh, so a normal person. Yeah, I think. But I, I I don't I can't read cruelty to animals. I mean I guess I can't read cruelty to anyone in a book and not find it a little bit disturbing. And then when you take cruelty to animals and then you take it to the nth degree like they do in this book. I oh, mean, yeah. he's shooting I mean, the dog's leg off, he's drowning the squirrel, he's Drowning the going, squirrel was just Wow. Well, it's the worst one is probably throwing the cat off the... Uh, well, yeah, all yes. all of it's bad. I mean, but to... Okay, I mean, I hate to sound... I mean, shooting something from distance, throwing a cat over the railing, but to shove something in a cage and drown it and f- keep it, you know, force it down there, man, that's just highly... Sed- I mean, that's the different level of being... Because you're up close and personal and watching it. That's just sick, man. Well, I'm... I'm- Finding it hard. To, I mean, not. I mean, not. I'm not, finding it hard to great. make that more reprehensible than throwing yeah, I mean, that off an overpass on the highway. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I mean, I, I don't mean to just start breaking into degrees yeah. of cruelty, but I find it all very disturbing. And again, I don't think this is normal behavior. I don't. I mean, it's not that there's nobody out there in the world who does sick things, but it's certain. This is certainly not a uh, an everyday life's event for people. And I, no. I just, I think, I think Chris, you hit it on the head. It's, it's just so incredibly heavy-handed. Yeah, that's. It, and that's it, to me, that's a sign of poor writing when you're going to be that heavy-handed. Now, I, I have the to think though. Super Factor was the oh, was the was the suitcase. Oh yeah. Whew. Yeah, because I but mean, did, it's. But did you notice what was right next to that suitcase when oh. it fell off that top shelf? What? There's a comic book box right next to it. If you uh, know how sick. See? See? That's what you're saying. That's Mark Millar's hidden message. Or maybe Tom Grumman's because he drew it. <laughs> uh, well, the artwork, I, I, I think, is really good. It, yeah, oh. the artwork is, is, is good. It's um, The story is, is not. Here's the thing I'm thinking, though, as I'm reading it. 
it's not it's it's the year two thousand. The year two thousand. If they if they had done in the year, if if they had done a story like this in the seventies, it probably would have been subtler. It probably would have been about somebody crating their dog or slapping their dog or something, and somebody you know finally having enough of it. Is it is it is it just because of the times, or is I mean the dark trend in comics or two thousand was still right before it really got dark. I mean because this doesn't have a dark color palette. The kids look like kids. They don't you know it's like nothing's too ridiculous in it other than I mean they sh- <laughs> shooting a dog's leg off. I mean for crying out loud, it's uh, I just don't know. It's so bizarre. Like I thought it was like oh this will be a nice Superman story about some dogs or something and nope. It's like, oh, nice little story. Dee, 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 dee. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, I had high hope at the beginning where it's clock reading letters to Superman. I mean... See, and then, now that would be an interesting story to read. To, you know, he's seeing the plight of all these people and knowing he can't... You know, he can't help <laughs> all of them. And, and the frustration he must feel from that. That has a little bit of pathos to it. It's... Certainly more subtle than what this story shows us. Yeah, if you took the be- the the beginning of the book and the very end of the book, where he drops in on the person that sent him a letter that has a happy ending, it's just the meat in the middle's gotta go. I mean, this is just a a double stuffed Oreo full of depravity. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. <sighs> I don't know. Is there anything else we can say about it? It was free. Well, at least the rest of the kids finally got their act together and met some girls. It's not even that. At least they finally got their act together and started, stopped hanging out with the sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh. oh, where do they get these names? Donuts. Was that the fat He's kid? He's the fat kid. I swear to God, I hope 8-Ball wasn't the black kid. That's what I was wondering. It's like, did they really name Eight Ball the Black Kid? Because I'm just uh, like, wow. Uh, I don't know. This is this was a depressing book. You want to rate it? I don't know if I want to, but I guess we have to. I will if you won't. Well, go for it. It's uh, go ahead, Paul. All right. The cover, which is also Tom Gromit, uh, I don't feel is actually as strong as the artwork inside. I don't think Superman's face looks that great. I don't yeah, like he looks kind of funky. The cat looks better than Superman. Yeah. So I actually think the interior art's better than the cover, which is not normal when you have the same artist. At least I don't think it is. Uh, I'm going to say the cover is C+. It's really not that strong. Whereas the interior art, I think, is really solid. I think it's clean. It's you know the faces are expressive. The everybody's got their own look about them that's consistent throughout. The storytelling is pretty sharp. Overall, I, I think this this is a very very solid book. I'm going to say a B plus on the interior art. Uh, the story I think is ridiculously heavy handed, very cheap in the way it's trying to get you know tug at your heartstrings. Uh, the only savings grace is the way that they portray Superman and the influence that he had on this kid and the fact that he wants to help everybody. Uh, that's what keeps it from being an F for me, but I'm going to give the overall story a, a D plus. And the book I'm going to give, I'm going to give a C. All right, uh, I guess. Oh, go for it, Bill. The cover, uh, yeah, the covers, I mean, the cat and the kids look better than Superman does. So the cover is really a C. Um, I like the opening page of the way Superman's sitting in a chair with all the open letters and stacks and stacks of mail and as he's reading each one. And then on the next page, that Superman in the top corner looks kind of John Burnish. Maybe looks like, like Chris Reeve. Yeah. Is like the look that I got from it. So, I mean, the art, art throughout is good. Um, and one other thing thing I forgot to note, when Superman saves the cat, if this book had been written, what, five, six years later, he would have turned and just burned the kids with his heat vision. <laughs> Solar flare, Bill. Whoosh. 
Um, so the interior art, I'm going to give it a B. The story now, for what it's trying to portray, it is heavy handed, but I can't give it high marks, but I can't give it low. I'm just going to give it C, but I still find it disturbing. So overall, I'm going to give the book a C. All right. That leaves it on B then. Um, I think the cover is, um, at least it's something that happens in the book. Um, mm, the cover art, yeah, the cover art is not bad. Uh, like you guys said, it's not great either. Uh, Superman, uh, the figure at least looks good. Uh, maybe a little too muscly, um, but uh, the, the face is pretty wonky. Um, the rest of it kind of works for me, though. Again, it's not really going to stand out um, off the shelves or anything. Uh, it's Superman with a with a cat. Uh, I mean. You know, it's pretty it's pretty average. So I, it, cover is definitely a C. The interior art is uh, is definitely better. Um, again, it's I mean, there's no high action or anything in this, so it's really uh, focusing on real life stuff, which is sometimes harder to do in uh, pulp genre stuff. Uh, that so I mean, in that case, it, it like you've said, it is consistent um, and things look real. Nothing's overly exaggerated. Uh, solid B for the interior art. The story, the first two, three pages and the last two pages, I'd, I'd give an A. The rest of the middle, I give an F for f- you. So uh, I guess that averages out to uh, a D. Um, so overall, it's a uh, C minus. If I had to, with my wonky math, C minus at best. It's not yeah. saying much. Probably should have picked a better book. Uh, but that's why we, we don't, do we don't pick them just to get good ones. We pick them to talk about them. And certainly there was a plenty to talk about in this one. <laughs> yeah. No, and we pick books that we know Scott will will we would have wanted to do with us. I'm go. sure this was high on us. Oh, you did Superman for the animals? Oh. I love that story. <laughs> yeah. He's but probably Superman never actually read it. People. You guys suck. <laughs> that inspired me to go out and do a bunch of things with animals. Really, Scott? Okay. All right, we get a little time to take a look at some email before we uh, call it a day. Yeah, let me open it back up. I close it down. A little right, I'm gonna. I'll start with the first one from uh, Mr. Russell Bragg, who's commenting on 1975 Part D. Hi guys, ha- happy to hear Part Two or D of this year in review. I will continue listening for the comic, listening listing the comics for those months that I have. And we'll mention the ones I want. June, chow, 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 chow. Famous first edition F7, All-Star Comics number three. Limited collected edition C36, The Bible. Superman 288, Superman Family 171. And then he says, I want Action Comics 448, Detective Comics 448. And he probably has a reprint. Notice how Action and Detective were at the same number at this time frame. Flash 234. Scott had mentioned how he liked Richie Rich over Archie Comics. I was the opposite. I don't have any individual Archie Comics, but I have various trades and hardbound editions. Didn't care much for Richie Rich, even the cartoon. Love the Archie cartoons. I have both DVDs for that TV series. Then in July, he has Action Comics 460, Justice League 131, Limited Collector's Edition C44, C45, Six Million Dollar Man Number One, Super Team Family Five, Superman Three Hundred, and Superman Family One Seventy Seven. Want Brave and the Bold One Twenty Seven, DC Special Twenty Two, DC Superstars Number Four, Flash Two Forty Two, Hulk Two Hundred, and World's Finest Two Thirty Eight. I know you didn't plan it this way, but I am glad there will be another part to this year in review. Of course, I'm happy to have any type of Back to Bins episode. Yours is about the only one I am current with. I fell way behind on some of the others I listened to around Christmas time, and have been trying to get caught up ever since. As for my my hiatus, yes, I am. Unfortunately, life got in the way again. I do have definite plan upon my return, but I have to get started soon, or that plan will fall by the wayside. Better end for now. Thanks again for keeping me entertained. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Still host of the DC Comics Presents show. Thank you, Russell. 
As always, thank you, Russell. Thank you. You're the man. You got the next one, Doctor. Uh, uh, No, he doesn't. Yeah, I got got right here. Subject, appreciation and some honest feedback Uh from, Uh I believe this is the first time emailer, Michael McLarty. I prefer you lie and tell us that we're great. Hey, guys. (laughs) Hey, guys. Been listening to the show and quite a few of the other Two True Freaks family podcasts. I want to begin with thanking you, not just for your show, but for everyone at your network that puts out uh, product because of your passion for comics. I am 43 years old, and I am a San Diego native. Ah, nice place, San Diego. The Navy was nice enough to send me there for a while. I went to every San Diego, or yeah, San Diego Comic Con from 1983 to 2009. Wow. A couple of times I went as press, but no matter what the badge said, I was there for the comics. Yeah, we as we try to do, but we get turned down. So, my mom instilled the passion for reading that I still have to this day. I was four years old. Mom has uh, passed, but that love for comics still persists, and I revisit her in some small way every time I pick up a comic book. It's awesome. That is, that's nice. Mm-hmm. All that said, I just wanted to voice solidarity when it comes to feeling excluded from what comics have become. There are some great new titles out there, but most are not from the big two, or if they are, they're wildly overpriced. Mm-hmm. Mm. Marvel is going to is going to roll out standard pricing at four ninety nine a book in the next twelve to eighteen months. Bet on. Oh. Yeah, I think they're already at that now for most of the stuff that they're putting out, or close to it. I mean, three ninety nine is too much. I ah, know we've we've beat that horse to death and chopped its head off and thrown it in some Italian's bed. Anyway. <laughs> Paul's. <laughs> too expensive with too little return and with decompression inconsistent release schedules characters no longer representative of what I look for in their heroic behavior I tell us what they can perform an oral act on me if they expect five bucks hey now what <laughs> at least at least give a guy get a guy a reach around okay. <laughs> that's not an oral act at that point that's that's, that's a penetrative act along with something else <laughs> <laughs> Thank Finally, you for the education, Hero. <laughs> You're welcome. That's Hero, our sexual correspondent. The more you know. And knowing's half the battle. Finally, I have been wrestling with uh, this for a while. Whether to share feedback that isn't all glowing. Uh, oh, and the email just cut off. I don't know. <laughs> Read it, Bill. Happened. Read it. But here it, here it goes. <clears throat> when there is no prepared synopsis. Doctor Bill, <laughs> <laughs> the show goes off the rails. I'm sorry for any harshness in my wording. It's not my intention to make anyone feel badly. Doctor Bill, <laughs> too late. Well, <laughs> no synopsis and the railing. It's your show, done by you for you. You guys put in the hours. Well, obviously not, since I don't do a synopsis and have every right to handle <laughs> your format however you see fit. I don't know if I'm a lone voice in the woods about my opinion that off-the-cuff synopsis are often long, disjointed, and meander off-topic. I don't think you're off the... <laughs> I don't think you're alone. Overall, I have nothing but love for you guys. Your friendships are a big draw for me. It adds to the overall authenticity of your show. Thanks again for everything you do. Mike McLarty. Yes, well, I, feel, I feel that the, the biggest strength of our show is the way we're able to fake our friendships. Yeah, man, that 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 takes a lot of work. That that meetup in Long Island, all holograms, never happened. I no, but uh, but they had I mean, extra batteries for ours. You know. We 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 have had extensive talks about how the off the cuff synopsises sometimes run a little long, sometimes they get a little disjointed. Uh, but you know, I mean, everybody's doing their best, and you know, he's talked to Bill. Well, I guess your hey. best wasn't good enough, <laughs> Bill. Hey, it's just like call. when you're—it's just like when you're diving through a bin, you're looking through stuff. You're just shooting the shit while you're looking for comics, Bill. I got the call for this recording ninety minutes before it started. I put together a synopsis. Okay, and your point is, you suck. I didn't bring a book. You have in the past. Oh, okay. Well, you got me there. (laughs) 
That's not true. I love you, Bill. I know. You still suck. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say that, too. So Nothing that we says we can't love you even though you suck. Well, thank you for the kind words and the honest feedback, and um, I'll try to get better. That's all we ask. That'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> Are you going to do the next one, Paul? Uh, maybe. I think we can a- answer this one. Okay, so we'll go with one more. Ooh, and it's not even addressed to Scott. And the next one is from Socrates. Socrates S. Alvarez the Third, and it is titled Parademon's Question. Hey, Paul and Dr. Bill. How come sometimes parademons are green, oversized monsters, and in other cases they look like normal humans? Is this depending on the rank of the parademon, creative team, or the era? Hmm. Dr. Bill? Well, being a parademon specialist that I am... Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week.